Hello everybody, this is the Adafruit CircuitPython Weekly for November 12th, 2018. Uh, I'm, I'm CircuitPython. I'm Scott and I work on CircuitPython for Adafruit. Uh, every week we get together on our Discord channel to talk about uh, what's happening in CircuitPython land. Um, if you want to join, you're welcome to. It happens every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on our Discord channel. Uh, you can go to the URL adafru.it slash Discord to join uh, the Discord. We're on there all week, uh, especially in the text chat. So uh, if you do want to talk CircuitPython, don't think that you only have to make Mondays. That's just when this meeting is. Um, it is in the voice channel for CircuitPython along with the text CircuitPython channel as well, not live broadcast. So be aware of that. Um, this meeting is run in four main parts. First, we start off with a quick state of CircuitPython and the libraries. We follow that with hug reports, which is a chance for uh, us all to say thank you for the, the cool work that's happened since we've had a chance to say otherwise, uh, or to thank other people before. Um, we do that in a round robin format, which is uh, I will start and then go kind of alphabetically through the list of folks in our voice channel. Um, if you are lurking, just let us know, which means you don't want to actually be called on. Uh, just drop in a text uh, message on the CircuitPython text channel. We'll, we'll skip over you. That's all cool. If you don't have a microphone, feel free to type it in and I'll read it off. Um, so that's how we do round robins. And uh, this, the third section is status updates. And we do that as a round robin as well, which is a bit of um, what you've been working on in the last week and what you plan on doing in the coming week. Uh, it's a really good time for people to give tips and tricks across to other folks. Um, so there's that. And then lastly, we'll do what we call in the weeds, which is any larger form topic that we want to talk about um, can vary from community stuff to uh, really technical discussions and decisions uh, that we're going to make. So uh, it varies a lot. Um, during the meeting, we take notes. Uh, if you want to follow along, there uh, the link was posted in the CircuitPython text channel just uh, just before. Um, and then if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, you should see either in the YouTube comments or the DioZone comments uh, on that video, you'll see a link to the notes as well. Um, they go into a common GitHub, uh, GitHub repository too. Uh, so you can look back and see, see all the ones before. So... Um, I think that's it. Um, yeah, so let's get started on Seda Circuit Python. I'll take a time code so that folks can skip through the notes and, or through the video to the, what they want to listen to. Um, so Seda Circuit Python. Uh, first, overall, uh, we talk kind of from a statistics view uh, how the project's going. So uh, we had thirty-one pull requests merged in the last week. Uh, I pulled these stats last night, so they made a, might have changed just a little bit. Um, we had 10 different authors, which is pretty good. And all of those authors look familiar to me, so nobody knew. Uh, which, you know, we hope to have somebody new every week. Uh, and we had six reviewers, which is a good number as well. So uh, thank you to all the pull requesters. Um, and then overall, we had 16 closed issues by five people and 11 opened by eight people. Uh, so again, really good in terms of getting issues closed. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> um, and then uh, in summary, if I just had to, to talk about where we're at, uh, 
CircuitPython 4.0 Alpha 3 is close to landing with some of the larger changes that will will come with 4x. Uh, Dan landed the BLE work that Arturo started, which is awesome. And then uh, I swapped the USB stack over to TinyUSB for the SAMDs uh, last week as well. So those are two major changes, uh, really putting us in an alpha state, (laughs) I would say. And then uh, we'll work to refine that and get ourselves to uh, proper proper stable release. Um, Okay, and then uh, core-wise, so this is just for the CircuitPython repo. Um, Katni will cover libraries in just a minute. Um, we had five pull requests merged, so about half of the total. Uh, we have four open pull requests. Uh, they're listed in the notes, so check the notes if you want to see what four of those are. And then issues-wise, we had uh, we have 61 open issues with four closed by two people and five open by four people, so we are up one issue, which is not too bad, but it's always good to, good to get those down. Um Downloads-wise, our latest stable release is 3.1.1, and we've had uh, 1,219 total downloads. I didn't look back to see uh, how that compares previously. Um, but as always, the unstable release, release 4.0 Alpha 2, has 370 total downloads. So it's again, uh, the stable release gets a lot more traffic. Um, and we have breakdowns by board in the notes and also by language. So if you're interested in that, check that out. Um, okay, let's go to libraries with Katni. So, um, I want to say we've updated Adabot, and the output is much cleaner and much more accurate. All of the new and empty repos um, are now listed in their own section and are no longer included in all the checks, so we don't have the same repos listed under 16 different checks um, when they aren't ready for those checks anyway. So uh, it's making the library tracking issue and the weekly notes uh, much less overwhelming and easier to figure out what the actual issues are. I want to thank Summersoft for all the work that uh, he's been doing with Adabot. Um, That's huge and amazing, and it's been great. Um, Mm -hmm. So as for the numbers, um, we have 23 pull requests merged, which is amazing. (laughs) Um, Seven different authors, five different reviewers. Um, Thanks to everybody who participated in that. Uh, We currently have nine open pull requests. We have... um, for issues, we have 10 closed by four people and five opened by four people. So we are actually down um, this week, which is a first in a while. We've been hovering around the same number for quite a while, I think. Um, and other than that, uh, like I said, the list of, um, of of issues with the repos and so on uh, is a much cleaner and much easier to, to get through. And if you... Um, want to uh, help out with any of that, there is a tracking issue, which I've put in the notes and also in the chat, um, that has in it all of the problems with anything um, related to libraries. Some of them are very easy fixes. Uh, Some of them are more complicated. But if it's something you're interested in helping with, let us know um, if you need any help getting started. Or feel free to put in a pull request, and we can get started reviewing it. that's uh where we're at awesome thank you and uh, yeah summersoft's been doing awesome i let's get to hug reports <laughs> for for the record the numbers if you if you add up the numbers between the core and the libraries it won't match the overall because i pulled the um i, I re-pulled the library stuff with the new changes to adabot ah, okay. um so just so you know did i does that does mean that. i ran it wrong 
No, it means you didn't uh, do a poll on it, which actually turned out to be a good thing because there was a bug where it wasn't showing the core uh, info anyway. Huh. Because I did, so, I did pull it. I thought maybe I didn't merge it. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. I think I fetched it, but I didn't actually update. Turns out that was a good thing because we found a bug, which will be fixed next time. Perfect. So feel free to pull and merge next time, and then we'll be good to go. Uh, TG Techie, yeah, you can just type in your hug reports, and I will read them off. Um, so if you don't want to speak, just type it in when it's your turn, and I'll read it off. Um, yeah, thanks, Katni. I Sorry, I, I totally meant to update to the latest, but obviously I failed. Um, I'll get that for next week. Uh, okay, so hug reports is a chance for folks to say thank you to other folks for the work that they've been doing uh first and foremost that's a really nice thing to do and so we want to try we want to be explicit and do that every week and then uh it's also great uh to do it in a public setting like this because we then reinforce what we value as a community um so if you if people can figure out like oh if i do this people will be happy and uh that's good for for us to all know um, okay, so uh, as always, I will start because I, I'll be the example, and then we'll go around the uh, down the list and around uh, after that. So um, first and foremost, I wanted to say, whoop, typing my doc and, okay. Uh, first and foremost, thanks to Dan uh, Halbert for the review on the USB stuff, along with Jerry for the, like, the immediate testing and finding of bugs. Um, I knew it wouldn't be bug free, but uh, uh, yeah, it's it's good to know that that we've we're finding them quickly. So thank you to you both. Um, I wanted to thank Carter for uh, redoing the ADS API. I really really appreciate that. I know it's not always the most fun thing to go back and work on code that you've you've already done. Um, Summersoft, thank you for reviewing that code. I appreciate that. Uh, Katni, in general, you've been doing tons of reviews, and I I really appreciate that. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, Summersoft, again, uh, thank you for basically, I, I kind of see you as like the maintainer slash mechanic for both CircuitPython build tools and for Adabot now, uh, which is great. Um, keep doing that, please. Uh, it's, it's super helpful. Uh, and then lastly, I wanted to thank, uh, shout out to Brennan for all of the PyPI and the library work that you've been doing as well. I really appreciate the Raspberry Pi side of things um, because I don't have the patience for it myself. Um, so yeah, thank you to you all. Um, and, uh, we'll move on to TG Techie who says, uh, oh, let me take a time code. Um, hugs to Dan, Jerry, Carter, myself, and Summersoft for always being so kind and willing to help. Awesome. And also for helping debug. <laughs> cool. Um, okay. Brennan. Yeah, just a quick one to Lady Ada for some pointers on libgpiod stuff. Um, I guess I'll have a little bit more about that in my status update. Okay, cool. All right, Carter. Um, just a massive group one this week. Apologies for not taking better notes to give specific shout-outs to people. It's just been the regular round of uh, normal cast of characters being awesome, mm -hmm. so group hug. Awesome. Thank you, Carter. And Brennan, can you remute? I, I got the fuzz from you again, which is weird. It's okay. Yeah, sorry. It says I'm muted, but yeah, I don't know why it does that. But yeah, it's quieter now. Thank you. Um, 
it's you showed up as muted too but i could still hear a fuzz which i don't know why discord does that but it does uh all right see grover yeah, i've got a group hug today um it's still just amazing to watch the progress of the team and the community working together i kind of follow it in the background I'm still learning um but uh i think i'm learning more quickly looking at the interactions between the folks and um it's a great forum awesome well thank you so much um okay charles yeah just a general group hug i have you know uh, you know i haven't been interacting specifically with people but i uh just watching as i have the same feelings as silver <laughs> did just watching what's going on is about amazing to me awesome well uh thank you both for being here it's it's nice to have folks paying attention uh all right dan sorry i was looking for the mute button (laughs) Uh, yeah so um thank you scott for like finishing that huge usb thing uh replacing uh tiny the other the other usb libraries tiny usb so and we're doing doing all kinds of refactoring so there's all kinds of much more shared code across the ports both for usb and for um flash reading and writing Mm -hmm. and then thanks to summersoft for as other people have said for that really big improvement on the stats library stats in adabot and then thanks to catney for continuing to work on the Charles M4 library, which is really important to make that an easy to use um, project base. Yeah, totally. Okay. All right, thanks, Dan. Uh, Deshipu. So congratulations on the big refactoring. Uh, that's it, group hack. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Deshipu. Uh Drew is lurking, I think, because he's traveling. Uh, so Jerry. Uh, yeah, again, congratulations and uh, thanks to to Scott for the massive uh, USB update and and Dan for reviewing it so well and and getting it out there and and uh, giving me lots of new things to test and break. So fun. <laughs> yeah, I left those I left those bugs in so you'd feel accomplished. I, I thought so. <laughs> it's not that I don't write perfect code. Um, <laughs> All right, Katni. Yeah, considering the last time I found something and your response was, you assume that I write good code. <laughs> so um, hug report to Sedacious for helping a ton with um, getting me started with Python libraries and then trying to uh, help me better understand arrays and helping me get a demo going. Um, thanks to Summersoft again for all the Adabot work. The improvements are amazing. Um, and thanks to Dan for reviewing my demo code, helping to make it better and getting me started with arrays and list comprehensions um, and then working through figuring those out. So thanks a lot for that. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Katni. Sag attack. Uh, so thanks to Tanute, Summersoft, Niz, Dan, Katni, and probably a bunch of other people I forgot. Um, basically a group hug for all the uh, help with understanding hardware and debugging. Awesome. Well, thank you for making it. Happy to see you working hard on stuff. Okay, Sedacious. Sedacious is typing. 
stuff in notes, please. Okay. Um, Sedacia says, uh, to Katni, Scott, C. Grover, Nis, Somersoft, and everyone else who has helped me troubleshoot the issues with the board, who shall not be named, and talked me off the ledge when things went more and more pear-shaped. Uh, to C. Grover, for the reminder that styrene is a thing that exists, it made my bezel making way easier. And I will copy those to the chat, too, if people want to see it. Um, okay, Somersoft. Yeah, so uh, thanks to Katni for all the Adabot reviews and ideas. Without the ideas, I would not have been able to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to Carter, Katni, Jerry, uh, Deshipu, Dan, Nis, and you, Scott, for uh, Discord support this week. I looked back, and there was actually a, a lot that happened, so thanks for that. Uh, Scott, for pushing forward on the tiny USB conversion. That was probably a tough slog. And Carter for updating the ADS usage to match the MCP3 library. Awesome. It's awesome to have you on voice, too. It's weird. (laughs) It's awesome. It's good. Um, That means you must have the day off. Um, Okay. Status updates. So status updates is a chance to do another quick round robin like we just did. Uh, But this time we're talking about the things that we've been working on in the last week and the things we plan on doing kind of going forwards. Um, This is really useful in case uh, folks are working on similar things that like at the same time or something similar to what you may have done in the past. Um, That is really helpful to give tips and tricks and make sure that everything uh, is going the way that it should for that. For things so uh i will start um i have a lot fewer notes than some other people so which is surprising um okay so uh first and foremost i've been like i looked back it took me three weeks to do the tiny usb stuff um so my my status updates before that may not have been that interesting um i wanted to say uh thanks again to dan for the review and jerry for the testing I got that in, and then Jerry did find uh, some bugs with it immediately. Um, so I fixed one of those at the end of Friday, and then I will be jumping back into a number of issues that kind of have c- cropped up on Master since then. Um, so that will be my next, hopefully, two days, no longer, no more than that. Um, and then after those bugs get run down i'd like to do an alpha three because we've done a lot since alpha two um and then uh next on my list is usb midi uh which is including a new kind of output buffering system compared to the fifa that we've got in there uh because midi is weird in that uh over usb you have to keep like four bytes together when you're transmitting which is it's weird um and uh, TAC also did get back to me on the pull request I made to TinyUSB. So CircuitPython's actually hooked up to using TinyUSB from my fork rather than from the upstream version that TAC runs. Uh, so I'm working on pushing those changes upstream as well. Uh, and I need to need to be responsive on him because we're like opposite time zones. So we'll do I'll do like one reply every day, hopefully, and, and we'll get that in. Um and so that will might take me to Monday next week uh, between doing the PR, fixing the bugs, and doing MIDI. Uh, but then it's on the display. Um, display is like 
very successful for showing images at this point on the hallowing, but it needs to be made more general for all the displays and then also for text in particular. So that is the next big item on my list. Um, okay, TJ Techie, did you want to type stuff in? I know you said you were lurking, but you typed in for hug reports. Um, okay. TJ Techie's all good. Okay, that means we go to Brennan. Uh, so, start off with, I'm just going to be trying to do a little more general code review on libraries and stuff, um, even if I don't fully know what's going on. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, what I'm working on specifically this week, um, first of all, um, tweaking how we do platform detection on Linux systems mm -hmm. um, to try and make sure that we pick up the Pi Zero and maybe more correctly pick up a couple of other things. Um, I'll have a PR in for that shortly. Okay. And then I'm looking at GIOD um, to do GPIO stuff in Blinka. Um, there's sort of an issue here in that it doesn't seem like libgpiod is very widely packaged and definitely is not just available in Raspbian right now. Hmm. So um, I need to figure out how to provide that off of PyPI or maybe just sort of optionally use it if it's available and assume that it'll eventually trickle down through mm -hmm. Debian into Raspbian, et cetera, and, and then be available. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that could take a while. Right. Uh, I'm going to do a quick thing. We have a bunch of um, libraries where we drings a little bit wrong um, and are missing a space. Mm. Fix that. And lastly, um, my girlfriend has the flu right now, so I'm guessing there's a decent chance I'll be out of commission for a bit this week, but hope you right. avoid it. Yeah, I hope you do too. It's that time of year, though. All right, thanks, Brendan. Uh, Carter. Um, a couple of uh, things. Uh, did a property style access to threshold settings for the cap touch sensor, the NPR 121, mm -hmm. and um, gotten some good feedback on that because that was kind of a that one's got a lot of flexibility, which means like, all right, how do you actually implement this? And uh, the PR's got some good commentary, so thanks to everyone who chimed in on that. The uh, yeah, like everyone's mentioned, the rewrite of that ADS one uh, X fifteen thing that was to make it comply with the other one, but basically it was just a complete rewrite, but that's in a PR with some other good commentary. And then a whole bunch of other minor things that I'm probably missing a bunch, but added, did a PR to the one wire to add a scan limit because people were getting yep. a, a memory allocation issue when they didn't have anything connected or mm. stuff was just kind of generally hosed. Uh, added the, uh, oh yeah, we got, we wrapped up the, uh, that pressure sensor, that kind of old pressure sensor, the MPL one one five A two, I think it was. Catney hmm. helped out a lot with that, and it's in the bundle, and that's all done. And just a few other things like that. Awesome. And there you go. Those those few other things make the world go round. So, uh, thank you for all. Thank you to everybody who does library work. It's super helpful. It's re where the real value is, I think. Um, okay, C Grover. Ooh. 
Well, let's see. This week was um, automating a, an analog meter tester and characterization tool. Hmm. I'm teaching a class at a uh, local makerspace on how to recondition analog meters and uh, needed a quick way to characterize internal resistance and those kinds of things. Hmm. So you use CircuitPython and a uh, M4 Express, an OLED, and a custom analog wing that I made, PCB that I made. And let's just say that Osh Park rocks, by the way. <laughs> um, I'll post a video and stuff uh, after I do the makerspace uh, guide, the printed guide. I've got a trinket version of it. I'll put a photo of that up, though. Uh, projects this week, though, we're going to include wrapping up the code and the enclosure for that musical synthesizer dual gesture controller thing that I talked about last week, hmm. where I'm using uh, time of sensors. Neat. Uh, Circuit Python is plenty fast enough for um, the you know measuring hand gestures and other things. Nice. Then I'm going to experiment with uh, finally get around to experimenting with the RFM sixty nine M zero and Circuit Python. Um, it's one of the many Arduino projects that I'm converting to CircuitPython. Mm -hmm. That that one um, doesn't have any real significant time constraints or anything, so I think the CircuitPython code would probably work really well. That's it. Awesome. Thank you. I love hearing all about all of your projects. There's always something going on. <laughs> and that's all in the midst of uh, tearing my studio apart and rebuilding it. I finally picked a DAW for it, so I'm Ooh. I'm pretty good there. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It sounds expensive, though. I'm going on the cheap if, as much as I can. We'll see. That's good. <laughs> as much as you can, yep. Awesome. Well, great to hear, and would love to hear about the studio pro progress as well. Um, okay, Charles. Okay. Um, in reference, I'm very interested in your... Um, USB MIDI because I'm trying to right now I'm trying to figure uh, to get started on adapting the modern devices uh, MIDI library to uh, to be able to have something to uh, a uh, Python version of that hmm. and I hope I hope I can get it to work because mm -hmm. I have the Arduino library mm -hmm. and I'm trying to make it match because I have a, a bit of code for my uh, uh, Ocarina that uh, if I can get that, I can convert it to CircuitPython. Right. Well, my plan is to only make a... The the USB API level will just be like transmitting bytes and receiving bytes, just as if you did MIDI over a UART. Yeah. See, th what I was thinking of is... Right now, what I was thinking of doing is using bus IO for uh, bu and passing that object into mm -hmm. my library for to interface to the uh, serial uh, yep. serial version. That's exactly what you what I'm expecting people to do. So you would just pass in the USB one instead, and it should just work. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's my goal. Thank you. Yeah, perfect. I'm glad you're working ahead of me. All right, Dakota, do you have hug reports and status update? Or are you lurking? Maybe lurking. Nope. If I could remember how stuff worked. <laughs> uh, no worries. Um, in general, hugs all around. Uh, I'm still not getting very far uh, getting started even at CircuitPython. Uh, 
but uh, I figured the least I could do is keep up with what everyone else is doing and with the distractions. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. All I got done that's even remotely related this week was uh, I discovered that I uh, had already gotten um, the Huzzah 32, uh, the Mongoose operating system installed to get, Hmm. uh, which is not even uh, micro Python. So it's like... (laughs) So that's where I'm at. But it, like I say, at least I'm trying to keep up with what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for letting us know. All right, Dan. Okay. So I've just been working a lot on VLE. I merged, as mentioned, Arthur Arturo's um, VLE big pull request and uh, with the expectation that I would be making a few changes to it. So I'm in the midst of those and mm-hmm. uh like thinking about certain, like I had thought about certain things, maybe I'm changing my mind on some things, but I'm in the process. I'm actually like learning much more about the BLA use cases as opposed to just the two paragraph description of something or other. Right. So uh, I'm happy about that. And I'm just going to be continuing to work on that for a while. Um, And then hopefully we can start writing some libraries on top of, this general purpose low level library and really try to start using VLE mm-hmm. and testing it out. Okay. Yeah, for those of folks who didn't realize that was kind of our our plan in terms of this API is like we'll just get it in and we'll evolve it to see where it ends up. Um so if you're interested in VLE, please and you have projects that use it, please move to this API and then and then come up with ideas on how we can make it easier and better and um that sort of stuff how we could evolve it yeah exactly exactly like yeah as soon as you start using it and i need like i need more examples of vle devices and stuff like that too so if you have it then you want to you want to try as it as an as a a straw man project that would be great okay awesome thanks dan uh all right the shipu uh so there was a local indie game festival this weekend Mm. <clears throat> and I uh, got some academic teachers uh, who teach game programming hmm. interested in PewPew. They they got a bunch of those, and they are going to inflict them on the students. <laughs> so hopefully we will see some uh, real life testing. And otherwise, since my laptop is still broken, I will get a new one on Wednesday. Hmm. I'm pretty much on vacation. Well, enjoy your vacation. It's important. All right. Uh, thanks to Shipu. We'll skip Drew because he's traveling and go to Jerry. Um, yeah, let's see. I've been playing a lot this week with the uh, this the new uh, Bluefruit SPI library that uh, K-Town put out. been having a lot of fun with it using a couple of the NRF51, uh, Bluefruit SPI friend on a whole bunch of different boards. In fact, just in response to a question from the forum, found that it actually works even with the Sugar Playground Express. It, hmm. it uses almost every pin, every pad, <laughs> yeah. but it does work. It just, just got up and running. So that's been a lot of fun. And my goal with that is to actually make some things that I can use then as peripherals that can talk to um, the BLE stuff on the uh, NR52s. So right. looking forward to playing with that. Did a little bit of quick testing with it. Um, just tried to you know modify the scan program to get it to work with the new API. And it, it, it does run. And mm-hmm. again, trying to understand what it means, but um, it works. <laughs> um, and then, uh, let's see, um, 
I have been doing a lot of stuff with uh, Laura, um, planning to work on a Python version, but it looks like uh, Brent has beat me to that. Brent R is, is, is okay. now developing the Python port. So I'll uh, stay out of his way and let, let that happen. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, just doing a lot of playing around with the, with the Arduino side of that, playing with that. And uh, finally did some range testing, found out I can get easily about a 300 meter range mm -hmm. with, with almost no effort, just, just by sticking wires on and hmm. having one in the house and, you know, no, no special effort. So they're working pretty well. That's awesome. And that's about it. Otherwise, just, just playing. Yeah, as you're, as you're using the BLE spy friend, think about the API that K-Town has for that and compare it to the BLE IO API that Dan's working on. Because ideally, it'd be similar to what Charles and I were talking about with MIDI, where we should be able to just drop in BLE IO or the BLE spy friend library and just have everything built on top work between the two. Yeah, although I mean the the yeah, I have to I have to dig into it deeper, but you know, the the one the whole um SPI friend is all built on the AT strings, which is quite a whole different way of doing things. But Right, but maybe yeah, but maybe like the the rapid. Yeah, maybe yeah. BLEIO needs to be high level so it can match that level. For yeah, example. or yeah, some someone needs some wrappers. But yeah, okay. I'll, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just keep it in mind that like the the goal is to have it be the same. Cool. Thanks, Jerry. All right, Katni. All right. So last week um, I did release and PyPI deployment for the Bluefruit Spy and the BMP uh, 3. It's XX, um, but it's the 388 chip um, libraries. Um, updated the lib tracking issue. Uh, got a bunch of libraries that we missed um, added to the bundle. So that was good. Um, checked all the libraries to make sure we added everything to the bundle. Um, I added a new NeoPixel toggle demo to the Trellis M4 repo and finished up the guide page on the Trellis M4 guide for the Adafruit CircuitPython Trellis M4 library um, to explain rotation and the coordinate layouts um, with a lot of pictures and so on so that it's really easy to understand uh, what's what depending on your rotation and, and how to use the library and so on. Um, this week, uh, we've got Library Monday. Um, <laughs> I've already updated the library tracking issue, so that's set to go. Um, I will be going through everything to make sure that all the libraries are in the bundle. I think we're up to date, though. Um, I've already started going through all the libraries with updates since the last release and doing a release on them. Uh, I initially had considered doing this over multiple days, but it's actually going really, really quickly. So I'm probably just going to finish that today. Um, I think that that is a good tracking tool but it's not a great tracking tool if we don't keep up with it so right right um, and it's a new check right uh i yes yes it is yeah um so that's i'll, I'll get all through all those and then we will have a list um that is accurately you know from this point on um places where we've done updates and haven't done releases because we've been running into issues where people are posting right um, things to the forum and saying like, oh, hey, I found that you actually did update this, but it hasn't posted to PyPI or it hasn't posted to the bundle or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why. So we'll just get that out of the way and uh, we'll be set to go. Um, okay. One thing we're going to be looking into is adding to Adabot a check to look for the sim sensor simple test.py examples, because now that we have the examples bundle, mm -hmm. um, that folder is a mess because there's just examples named all kinds of crazy things and ah. you've no idea what it's for. So I want to start with a naming convention um, 
with like the sensor or the piece of hardware name underscore and then whatever the demo name is. So either simple test or mm -hmm. if it's a something special, call it sensor name something special. So right. if there's no simple test, it will show up in this check. However, the rest of those will not. And this is going to be a long-term manual fix where we're just going to have to go through would and... It, would it be better to have the bundle have subfolders instead of all of the examples in one folder? Like examples slash driver name slash and then all of the... Maybe. I still think it would be a good idea to have them all start with the sensor name. Um, but from so the think... from the perspective of an individual driver, it's just redundant, right? Not if you Not if you like have... Suppose you want to run those, uh, you know, you're going to put those in your top level slash or something. That's a good point. Yeah. Multiple centers on your board. Yeah. That's a good point. So, I mean, it, it should, it should be fine moving forward and cookie cutter includes the, the, the sensor name, simple test file in there for you to populate. So the newer libraries shouldn't like have a problem with this, Yeah. but this will catch to make sure that we've at least got that in there. And then right. once we go through and update all this, it should be easy to, to keep up with it moving forward. It's just going to be over the next four weeks or so, or however long it takes to a couple of times a day, go through and rename right. files right? Um, just to get those uh, fixed up. And they also have to check the guides and so on and so forth. So obviously right. there's, there's extra steps to do. Yep. Um, but I think it would be worth it. So yeah, I agree with that's you. on my radar for that. So that I'll may do a couple of those today, um, but I'm going to be filing an issue on Adabot to get that check put in. Um, I already okay. talked to Summersoft about it. Awesome. Uh, after that, uh, we're going to be finishing up uh, the Raspberry Pi um, Circuit Python library update for the for the character LCD guides. Um, get that wrapped up. Um, I'm currently writing a page on the Trellis M4 library or on the Trellis M4 guide for the NeoPixel toggle demo, um, which will explain arrays and sets mm -hmm. um, and how to basically you know write a piece of code using that library from start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, I need to test the LSM 9DS0 this week and get the uh, PR that's out right now for SPI um, added in and then get that released and get the guide updated. Um, the recent library that we got in, the MPL115A2, needs to be uh, deployed to PyPI. Um, and then after that, I've got a list of guide updates that are the next on the list of things to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no shortage of work there. Not at all. <laughs> cool, keep it up. Uh, all right, uh, Sagitac. All right, so I've put in a few quick, uh, simple PRs to CircuitPython, but what I'm mostly working on is, uh, I guess we'll call it Circuit Rust. So Rust <laughs> is a uh, low-level systems programming language similar to C and C++, um, but it has a lot of high-level features, and it basically prevents you from shooting yourself in the foot. Um, so in that domain, I started... Um, Circuit Playground Express board definition. Um, and then I moved on to a, working on a NeoPixel library. Mm -hmm. um, so the NeoPixel library right now, it's just similar to uh, CircuitPython and the Arduino libraries. It's just using knobs for timing, um, which I'm not really happy with. Mm. Um, I'd like to use Spy and DMA. Um, so it's more cross-platform and can be used on other different speed uh, microcontrollers. Right. 
so yeah, I'm, I've started on uh, hardware abstraction library for DMA, so I can get that going. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, met uh, Sam D fifty one hardware abstraction layer. It on, but I need to work out some clock stuff. And yeah, you can check all that out at this GitHub link. Awesome, super exciting. The trade-off for Spy NeoPixels is that it usually takes more RAM, but I think with Rust, you're probably yeah. less less RAM constrained than we are at Circuit. A little button. bit, yeah. Perfect. All right, cool. Excited to hear about that. Uh, Thanks. All right, Sedacious, which I think I'll read off after I get a time code. Uh, so Sedacious says, uh, last week received and assembled the new boards. Um, didn't work, couldn't figure out issues in the time for a new board rev. Um, sad face. Epic sad face, I guess. Uh, scrapped the first board and assembled the second one that is working great, though the boost converter needs rework before assembly. Uh, learned a lesson. Never, ever trust someone else's footprints. <laughs> yep. Um, I was thinking about that. I think if we actually had a central repo that people could comment on, like if it was just a GitHub repo, it probably would be better. Um, but it'd have to be documented really well. Um, anyway, uh, interesting problem. Um, next item is resolved to have a single example of the blinky cyborg raccoon for display at designer con instead of having some for sale. Um, started assembly of a base doing some woodwork to build in the TVT TFT and made an initial bezel out of styrene. Cool. Lots of projects. Ooh, pictures too. Um, this week, finish up the rest of the base, prep and paint. Uh, working on more anim- animations for the TFT and finalizing code for TFT and LED animations. Oh, there's a video of the cyborg raccoon. Um, I must play it. Um, oh, it's super short. It's just glowy, which is awesome. Um, okay, and then it says uh, pack up the car and drive to Anaheim for DesignerCon, which is designercon.com, and they'll be at booth one, 1049 for anyone who wants to stop by. Um, that's super good to know. I won't be able to make it because I don't live down there, but uh, if anybody is down there, feel free to stop by. Um, all right, so thank you, Sedacious, and we'll go to Summersoft. All right, so as it may have been mentioned, I was working on Adabot all week. Um, put in the new script to reduce validators on new and in-work libraries. Um, added a script to get uh, library bundle and PyPI download stats. And set up uh, Travis YAML to run Adabot on Travis. That PR's in, and we'll see where we get with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's open in a tab. <laughs> I didn't get Give to it, it a last really night, good look. I will. Yeah. First one from scratch. Cool. Um, change the top level folder name in the uh, CircuitPython bundle builds. Um, that still needs to be, or to have a new release push so that we can update PyPI. But Katni, I wanted you to look at it, Scott. Okay. Um, before we okay. did that. Okay. Uh, added the spy version to the frame library and. Uh, received my particle mesh boards this week, and I've been 
or late last week, and then I've been uh, deep in reading the documentation and the GitHub repo on their firmware for that. That's going to be tricky, I guess, to put CircuitPython on, but we'll give it a shot. Well, it sounds like it'll be easy to put CircuitPython on, but hard to keep connected with their cloud, right? Yeah, it'll just turn it into a, a Feather NRF52 if you just, at the moment, but they've got some stuff that interacts with the cloud, and they've got a lot of peripherals available like AES and stuff that we don't currently have. Mm. So, but we'll see. They, they're, I think I understand why they set their firmware up the way that they did, but it's really hard to read through. <laughs> huh. All right. Interesting. I'm, uh, I'm still waiting on mine. I'm jealous you got yours. Well, they're still primarily sitting in the box, so don't be too jealous. <laughs> That's uh, what all happened week, to mine, too. <laughs> and then this week, uh, I got some more Adabot stuff to do. I'm going to put in the, the simple test check. Um, I already fixed that one bug that Katney found earlier. And then uh, I'm going to work on handling the timeout stuff for uh, requests. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing to do, on, especially with, with it going up to... Uh, I lost you. Sorry, my phone screen blanked out. Um, and then uh, last thing is I'm going to update the core drivers page with uh, the 20 or so that have been added that we haven't updated that with. So. Oh, right, yeah. That manual page. I, I really do like that page because it has them in categories, though, which is nice. Agreed. Awesome. Well, thank you for all your hard work. Um, okay, let's uh, thank you, everybody, for hug reports and status updates. Uh, let's move on to In the Weeds. The way In the Weeds works is uh, some people already got this idea, but um, you can type topics into the CircuitPython text channel, and we'll add them to the queue for people uh, to have a discussion on. Um, there's a couple in there already, so we'll start with those, and then we'll grab the other ones. Um as they come in. Uh, and I think Katni is the anonymous blobfish. <laughs> uh, so thank go ahead, you. Go ahead and Google what a blobfish is. This is like the second time that this has happened. I th- I, I'll have to do that later. Blobfish is a deep sea fish of the family something something. It inhabits the deep waters off the coast of mainland Australia and Tasmania, as well as the waters of New Zealand according to Wikipedia. Just um, the images of it. It really is a blob of a fish. <laughs> well, that's if you take it out of the water, right? Like, where is that? Anyway. Interesting. Uh, okay, that's what does what it says on the tin. That's what Brendan says. Um, okay, so let's start off uh, in the weeds here. Uh, Sag Attack has one about the SAMD51. Do you want to start? Um, yeah, so basically, I'm just trying to figure out how to set up the clocks properly. Um, I basically copied from the SAMD21, and I'm not sure if that's the right approach. Like, basically, what it's doing is uh, taking the 32 kilohertz oscillator, running that through the multiplier, feeding that into DFL, L, and then feeding that into G clock. Hmm. Does that sound right? 
the DFLL, if you look at the errata for the 7051, you can't use it as a locking. You basically, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you use instead? We just use the DFLL in open loop mode. Well, okay. is the DFLL the thing that multiplies it, or is it that the DPLL? I can never remember. Well, we're you could maybe use the DPLL. We haven't tried using the DPLL as the primary clock source. Well, we take we it 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 has the forty eight megahertz source built in, and my understanding is that we divide that down using a G clock to two megahertz, and then we boost that two megahertz back up to the one twenty. Right, right. And that's the well, DPLL that does the boosting, right? uh i think it is yeah maybe that is i don't remember um but the main thing is that the dfll doesn't work properly is broken on the sam d51 right so you can't sync it against a, 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 a you can't have it locked to the starter to, frame right yeah to something i don't even know if it locks i maybe it locks to usb but or it, you, there's, you know, this, you can sync things to USB, to the USB clock, but it's a real problem. Yeah, we and, don't do that. Yeah. Okay, so, interesting. There's a link so look, to our init code. Look at the Thanks. errata, unfortunately. You'll be very, you'll be very... <laughs> very sad. Sad. Great. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we do actually have it split out from CircuitPython. It's in the CMD peripherals uh, directory, because Notro okay. did it. Notro did a lot of good work with splitting that out. <laughs> yeah, this looks pretty similar to what I have. Cool. Um, Sorry, Zach, I, I looked at your repo a little bit earlier, too, and to echo the closed loop issue, I was going to bring that up. And then also, too, um, the SAMD51 renamed some of the registers. It's not syscontrol, it's OSS control. Yeah, um, so I'm aware take a look. of that. Um, the SAMD51 port is in my fork of the repo, and I've, uh, changed all that stuff there. Okay, I was assuming that was probably the case, but I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's really common for, I think I talked with you about this on the Discord, but in general, when I've been port, when I was porting from SAMD21 to 51, it was very common that, like, the 21 would have a weird way of like selecting a particular channel of something. And then you, yeah. and it would share the like configurations per chance, configuration registers per channel. Whereas with the 51, they've just exploded that out and you basically have one set of registers for every channel, uh, which is That's way like easier to manage. Kind of thing. Yeah. It's way easier to manage because you then don't need to worry about like writing to a register before you write to another register. Um, yeah. Which is really nice. And it makes reading easier as well. Um, but I think you figured that out. Cool. Mm -hmm. Any, anything else, Sag Attack, on that? Uh, no, that's good. Thanks. Cool. Awesome. Uh, all right, let's go to Dan. Why don't we go go ahead to, to Carter? All right, we'll knock Carter out first. Carter. Um, sure. This this one may be one that's kind of on Dan's list also because he's kind of helped out with these. This Just basically the... We used to do it this way. Remember, we used to have flash erasure UF2s. You go to bootloader, 
Yep. You drag it over and it erases your file system and then you're clean and good to go again. And now that's available through REPL. Right. But there have been a few apparent edge cases. I'm not sure if these are real or not. This is where it'd be great for Dan, you chime in and give your thoughts on this, where people have been able to get to bootloader just fine, but they drag over the CP firmware and, after, and, it would, and that seems to go fine and then it resets, but then they just, they don't see the CircuitPython folder. And that's, yeah, that's usually because their main.py has crashed. Right, so, so that, they've kind of painted themselves in a corner, right? Because and also they can't yeah. get to REPL. Exactly. Yeah. So we have to we have these specialized. So I build something, some like a special build that just erases. Right, and that solved the problem. Right. That special okay. build you made, they used it, it cleaned it up, and then they went right back to installing the CP firmware, and they were good to go again. So we, it seems like we've kind of back shelved all those, and there's a lot of boards we don't have those for. Because we're saying, oh, use the the REPL approach, right. but maybe we need to still have those available and also add these custom bills that Dan has been making as one off. Actually, have them available in that location. Yeah, the the trouble is, the M four one never actually worked. I thought it did, but it didn't. <laughs> and th so there's some bug in the Arduino code for the QSpy, or just the Spy eraser. So I didn't have time or knowledge to fix that hmm. so uh it I, I could put it on my list it's like kind of far down uh and i don't understand it it would typically take me a day or two to actually make it work somebody with more knowledge might be able to do it but um if you think yeah. that it's really i mean it would be nice to have because especially if we're q spy because then it would work on any m4 because they're all the same mm -hmm as opposed to having a separate special CPI build for each of 30 different boards or whatever. So I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I've always also trying to think of a way and for, to have CircuitPython guarantee to come up in safe mode. Right. And then you would have the REPL. And that's also hard to think about how to do um, because it, it worked. We have it on the CPX because we have extra buttons we can use, but we don't have it on most of the other boards because anything I can think of to do, like grounding this or something, they were all, I wasn't sure about that. So, I um, Dan? Yeah. Would it, one, one thing I, I've done whenever I run into the, this problem and I get stuck is, I, you know, I just go into the um, source code. I think it's, I can't have to go, go figure out, remember where it is. It's either in supervisor or somewhere and force it to, you know, to recreate the file system. Just basically, there's a line there where it does a bunch of checks, you know, and I just make that if true and just have it rebuild the file system. Yeah, that's what exactly what I did, but <laughs> these are people who don't, who don't. Oh, it doesn't work on, the, that doesn't work on the M4? Oh no, that works fine. It's just that. No, what, 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 as a simple thing, and it would make all 30 boards, but would it be worth just doing that once, you know, at some, you know, clean stage of the system, like, like, you know, after a four point in the next alpha release or something like that or whatever, and just build the whole set with that in there and then tuck them away. <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking is that, but where do we, right. There are so many of them Yeah. that uh, that's what I was just wondering about where to do. Yeah. So, but um, Dan, just to, just to back up a bit, this, yeah. this, this is kind of, 
I, I'm not uh, missing some other way of fixing this problem. There, no. there still exists the issue that people can get in this weird state where they don't have an out, right? Right. And so I right. So we either need okay. uh, a low level, a special U of two that just does a Q spy erase, or and maybe I there's some easy way to do that. Maybe there's some easier. We have so many boards to support. I think the problem was that the Arduino code does not do a good job of supporting multiple different kinds of, of spy flash chips. It like was only set up for two or three and it mm -hmm. wasn't nearly as well generalized as the way we do it in CircuitPython. I mean, maybe I could have a special CircuitPython build that ignores all pins except the QSPY pins. And just, it's if CircuitPython, we don't tell anybody that, it's just an eraser. <laughs> So maybe that might be the simplest thing to do. Yeah, uh, I, I think when you need it, that's the an option. Yeah. Um, I think maybe I'm, I think Sedacious and I are on the right track. I think I think actually coming up with a good solution to get into safe mode uh, is is an option. Like the Circuit Playground, I actually added it. So if you hold both buttons down when you plug it in, it goes into safe mode. Um. So I think coming up with a way, like Sedacious was brainstorming, like maybe we could come up with just like, maybe you triple click it or you do like double tap and long hold instead of like a short, like. Yeah, I think triple click is kind of interesting. We could probably support triple click. Um, that would probably not be hard to add to UF2, but then we have to make a UF2, new UF2 build, which is maybe okay. Yeah, so, it's uh, it's a long-term. Yeah. I mean, there is I, there is an issue about this already, I think. Um, Can I throw in an observation here? Yeah, please. Uh, it's kind of a diversity thing. Um, sometimes things like triple clicks are hard for some people to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, that might be a little bit uh, manually impaired. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can come up with something that's a little easier to do. Right. Um, that, that doesn't require dexterity or timing. Uh, I'm, and I'm not always sure what that would be. I, yeah. I wish I could offer an alternative that's obvious, but I can at the moment off the top of my head. But uh, I, I, I just happen to know that triple click uh, for myself is difficult to achieve many times. Yeah, that's a great point. I know I have, I struggle with the double tap from time to time as well. Does holding it down on startup do anything as in like you hold it down and then you plug it in? Is that something you can detect? Well, the problem is that when you when you actually hold it down, it's literally resetting the microcontroller. Mm -hmm. So I just thinking about software. Yeah, yeah. Software. So like, I was just I I I proposed the double tap and hold, and then I realized like if it was holding, it's not doing anything because it's in a reset state. Uh, it's not like I can read it to see if it's down still. So it's tricky. There's some other ideas about bringing a certain pin low or high that's in that um, issue also. Right. We were talking about having like some form of external state. Right. right. But in, in the short run, maybe we sh I should just figure out, I should make some special circuit Python build that doesn't do anything but erase QSPY flash on any on the board that it thinks it is. Okay. Or something. I don't know. Is is having two buttons uh, common across all the boards we want to support? 
I think it's uncommon. A lot of our feathers have single buttons because buttons cost money. And they take real estate. Yeah. They take real estate and they also like people can get them confused. One of the things common between most of the boards is the uh, red LED D13. Right. And you may want to consider something like that because it, it is more universal and it's it's one of those things that I know in my case, I don't always use it for things. I use it as a, an LED. And if you use it as an input instead of just an <laughs> output, that might be some way that you could uh, tie that into you know, that master reset you're thinking about. Like if you did a really long hold, like a three-second hold on the button, and then when the light comes on... But there's no way to time how long... To... There's no way to time the long hold. Because the CPU is uh, literally okay. not running. <laughs> It's pulling the reset line on the CPU down. That's what it's doing. So, but I think yeah. I think C Grover is kind of onto something because it's usually not that pin's not usually used because it is usually hooked up to the LED. And if it's on the low end, you could ground it. You could you could tie it high, and be okay, and detect that. I think. Well, I think if you tie it high or low while you're resetting, that might be that might be the way to do that because then it right. doesn't. You really don't have to have a lot of dexterity to do that. You just have to either ground the pin, probably ground the pin. Well, and, I think uh, grounding it will turn it on, right? Which I guess is okay. Yeah, as Katney points out, there's no D13 on the trellis, so that doesn't solve it for all the boards. Right, but so, yeah. It's yeah, the trellis cool. has some other limitations because of the lack of pinout. But in in this, so when the short, I mean, maybe it's just worth me looking at the QSpy library and then uh, another suggest, suggestion yeah. too. Instead of worrying about making erasers, is would you want to make a special build for each board that just puts it in safe mode? That's true. And that yeah. way that way then you can do do <laughs> any number of things that you need to do. Not only erase it. That's actually but, a decent idea. Just build safe mode versions of everything. Yeah. We definitely need to update the safe mode message if we're gonna do that. <laughs> well yeah, we can ha we have different messages, sub messages, so well, yeah, I mean, we can Yeah, I mean the only reason the only way you're gonna get that on there is if you put it on there, so you know, but right. Yeah, it's still, it's a little, it's a little, it's, it's. I guess it's a little more flexible than having one that every time you run it, if you forget to take it off next time, it it just erases your flash again. <laughs> I've done many times. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good point because if you, yeah, if you do this like admin build as Sedacious says, or just like a safe mode build, but we still allow you to like erase the file system. Yeah. From there, I think that's a great idea, actually. And we we could make a special release that's that, right? And hopefully it wouldn't have to be updated too often. You know that, right? It would just work whenever we add a new right. board. Right. Uh, it doesn't need to track. It doesn't need to track every every new release. Right. Right. I'm trying to think. If we could use the translator. The. <laughs> well, I'm just I think... trying to think about how. Yeah, we get it to build, but I, I I could make such a release. I would just do another flag. Like just yeah, make it no, another no, build. Uh, right, but but where do we keep these for people to find them? 
in a release. I probably wouldn't put them in a release. I'd probably just put them on the Amazon S3 and link to it from a guide in the troubleshooting section. That's an interesting idea. Okay, yeah. Because I could just, I could make these builds. I mean, it's not hard to do the build. We already have the flash eraser section, so we can just replace that with the safe mode build section. Right. That's a good idea. Okay. All right. So maybe I'll put that on my list of things to do. Or somebody will. (laughs) I, I can do it. Or if somebody feels like doing that. So one other idea approach, is there anything uh, in terms of an editable file that could be edited, created in uh, bootloader mode that could be then read as a trigger? So something kind of like boot.py, but that's, you know, the, the issue is the file system is messed up and that's no longer really available for editing, but do it in the, uh, you know, the board boot folder. Yeah, I guess that's you- not really a folder. But you could detect if you wrote something else and then save it to memory and then detect it. But I think this suffers from the same issue that Dan was getting at of like, then we have to update all our bootloaders. Um, okay, yeah. So that's not as simple as I'm thinking because it's not really a folder like you're saying. Right. It's, no. yeah. So all the bootloaders that have to be updated. It's fake. Okay, it's never mind. Fake. Yeah. It's fake. And you could add support for special fake files, but I think. I actually really like Jerry's idea of doing a safe, just this is safe circuit Python or something that just you, people know how to load it and then they run it and they get what they expect, except they're not, their code doesn't actually run. Right. And I got, I got S3 at uh, right privileges now. So I, I can upload this easily. So yeah. All right. Cool. Okay. Good All ideas, right, that's, everybody. That's like a two-hour project or something, so that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. 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 Not hard at all. Um, okay. All right. I'll put I'll put an issue in for that. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Dan and uh, Carter. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, okay. Let's go on to Dan's async stuff. I think it's the last topic. If, it, if people have other topics, please uh, put them in the chat. So this is something that I. I brought it up on an internal list, but I haven't sent because it was too much of a straw man, (laughs) but it's just kind of a general idea. And I'll, I'll, assuming how this discussion comes out, I might propose this as an issue. But the idea is that we have, MicroPython has interrupt handlers, for instance. And sometimes people ask us, don't you have interrupt handlers? Mm -hmm. And there are other things that we want to do that are also asynchronous, like Right now we do it by polling or we have modules that do it. So for instance, play, like playing audio files is done in the background and it, it, you can say start and stop it. Um, but, um, it, there, there's magic happening in the background. Mm -hmm. Um, another example is, um, besides interrupt handlers, it's just asynchronous events. Like suppose you're an I2C, I2C slave device. Right. Uh, but you want to do other things while you're sitting around as an I2C slave device. So how do you get notified that somebody sent you a message because you're an I2C slave? Right now, there is an I2C slave implementation, but it's not um, turned on uh, most of the time. And it you have to ask, like, ask, is there a message? Right. So um, I've, and then we also talked about using async, the async IO stuff that's in Python 3.x, mm-hmm. which is also in 
implemented at least partially in MicroPython, but it's really complicated. It's like, like I don't understand it fully and I've spent a while reading it and I just, to, to impose that mechanism, to propose that mechanism for people, for our, our most of our users to use is just seems crazy. It's just too low level. Mm -hmm. So I, after thinking about like, what do people really want to do? Do they, is it really that they want interrupt handlers? Really that they want, what they want to do is find out when asynchronous events happen. And uh, usually you can do that right now. We sort of do that with polling, but I'd like to kind of come up with a general mechanism for doing that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way I think, I think the cleanest way to do it after thinking, looking at, I mean, there are a bunch of different ways to do it, like callbacks and stuff, but in MicroPython, this doesn't, you in an interrupt handler or in a callback, asynchronous callback, you can't do, you can't allocate any storage, for instance. Mm -hmm. Because you're in the middle of the storage, because the storage manager isn't re-entrant. So you could really break something badly. And this is a really serious problem. And But there's no, it doesn't prevent you from doing that. So you can really shoot yourself in the foot. Right. So, and to have a separate interrupt handler and asynchronous events and all this, like, can we generalize this? And I think the answer, or at least an answer could be message queues, mm -hmm. which is a kind of a general way of um, that's used in the outside world and job and a bunch of places. Right. Uh, so the idea is that there's a queue. It's, it can be read or write atomically. Something puts stuff, puts messages on that queue and you take them off when you're ready. Right. Okay. To process it. And when you're ready is probably in a while true loop or some other kind of event loop. Uh, and then the idea is that, so when an interrupt handle happens, for instance, instead of actually doing something in the interrupt handler, all you do is put something on a queue that says, hey, an interrupt happened, and maybe it happened at this time, and maybe you have a few details about it if you need to. Mm -hmm. Or if, um, if you get an I2C slave message, oh, let's just put the message on a queue so it can be processed when somebody gets around to it. Or if we got an Ethernet packet. Right. Uh, let's just put the packet on a queue so that it'll be processed. It might not get processed in time, but that's, we have no guarantee. We don't make any guarantees about real-time response of CircuitPython. Right. In the MicroPython right. world, they try a little harder about that, but we, we've, we've avoided that. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's, that's the idea is to use message queues. And there's some issues about putting things on message queues. In fact, because you can't allocate storage, uh, the message queue probably actually has to have a fixed number of slots right. that are already allocated. And you copy the data that you need into those slots, like a buffer that's an ethernet packet mm -hmm. or a timestamp if it's an interrupt with maybe which pin it was or something like that. Right. But just sort of small things that are bounded in size. And then you can check those queues to see if there's anything on them. You can do that without waiting. You can do that. You can sort of peek at a queue to see if you have anything or not. Right. So that's right. the general idea. I was um, I was going to ask, have you read the tiny USB source code? No. Because <laughs> this is how it works. Okay. Um, which I really do like. Um, basically, tiny USB in your interrupts, like, oh, my, my USB transfer is done. You just 
it has a fixed FIFO with structs of events and you queue an event, say, hey, this transfer is done. And then you have in your main loop, you pull those off the queue. Um, so that's to say that I really do like the style that you're proposing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you the advantage of it is that by having a kind of universal queue of things, you don't have to pull everything separately, which is nice. I well, I'm not sure if I can have a universal queue because the slots have to be different sizes or something. But is that what you're thinking of? Is that there's yeah. Uh, so okay. I think I think pulse in is actually very much like what you're thinking. Um, okay. Because under the hood, it's a ring buffer of pulse lengths, and you just like see how long it is and and pop off of that. Um, so I think it's something that we are starting to do already. Um, but I also, I don't think it's going to convince the interrupt folks. <laughs> um, I think that the folks who come to the advanced users who come to us and want interrupts, they're, they're expecting preemption. Um, and mm-hmm. as you're talking about like preemption has problems and it makes, makes things a way more complicated. Um, so I think I think the idea, the philosophy of going towards message message queues is the right direction, but I don't think that um, I don't think that's going to prevent us from hearing people wanting interrupts, because the people who right, are coming yeah. to us wanting interrupts are like old school C programmers who'd rather not be doing C. Um, but that's not what's they're they're not our audience, and it's not that simple. Um, right. If we can say like this is really an X Y. Pro- what do you really want to do here, right? You want to detect that a pin change state and respond to it, right? I mean, it's question is sort of like, what's the latency? Uh, right, right. What, what I'm saying is that no Python code, and part of this, I wrote the manifesto, and the manifesto is really just, <laughs> Python code doesn't run asynchronously. Right. Other stuff runs asynchronously, and it can notify the Python code. And the right. Python code will deal with it in its own good time. Right. So, so the real uh, question is, how do you organize when you have a number of things that are in that mode? Right. Yeah. Which is yeah. why I was so thinking I think, of it in terms of a universal queue. I mean, maybe there could be a universal queue where uh, you can pre-allocate. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we could. <laughs> you could still pre-allocate the objects. I don't know what it would take to make the the storage manager be reentrant. I don't know if that's basically impossible or not. Because that would also solve this problem in a different way, but right. Uh, but I still have issue with like if you do, if you do do preemption, then you have to teach people all about locking and stuff, and that's. I yeah. still get I mean, that I, wrong. I, I think <laughs> we should we could still use message queues and be able to to if we could allocate storage in yeah in the C code that's the interrupt handler, then that would be great. And so, but I don't we, we don't have to do that yet. Or something. So, so Dan, it sounded like you yeah. you, you mentioned like two areas where this demand slash request is coming from. One is from users of CircuitPython, right? We it happens all the time. People come in, and they're like, "Hey, does CircuitPython support interrupts? I want to do interrupts, etc." And then the other one, it sounded like it was more internal for help with drivers and things, right? Uh, yes, I guess I would say that. Or like an it's I2C really slave. like we we we're having trouble. Like somebody wrote this I2C slave. Who wrote that? I forget. Notro did. Notro wrote it. Yeah. Um, 
Notion wrote it and and it's great, but you have to use polling. It has its own polling way of polling. Right. Right. Or another really good example that came up, which I haven't even discussed, is that um, the the BluePy library has basically a callback mechanism for when something happens. Right. And uh, Arturo's API doesn't it didn't implement that because there's no way to do that. I mean, it's sort of left out. Something right. that I was going to do. And I was like, well, what kind of mechanism can I provide here? I can't use callbacks in an asynchronous way. But is there some, can I piggy, can I come up with some general mechanism like a message queue? Because either you do polling or you do interrupts, right? right. That's sort of. In general, and, yes, right. Right. And if you look at the way async IO provides, it does event loops, but it does it in a really complicated way. And you have to, like, there are calls that create an event loop and that you attach functions to that. It's just, it's just very mm -hmm. uh, kind of professional programmer Python as opposed to. So these, uh, these all sound like de developer roadblocks, I issues and roadblocks that developer is going to run into. Mm -hmm. Especially the average, you know, the, the non-professional programmers that we have, you know, not, not our target audience of <laughs> someone just wanting to have a fun time blinking LEDs. No, no, no. I'm saying that I think that message queues could be explained to somebody who wants to blink LEDs. Right. I think this is the only mechanism that there is that we could easily explain. Because you could just say like, oh, you just write, you just have a, in your while true loop in main, you just check to see if something happened, if a button got pushed or you got a message. But and, yeah. could they, what, what, what roadblocks are they running into in their code where they're learning how to blink LEDs that they really need this additional complexity to overcome? Oh, they don't need it when they're blinking LEDs, but they maybe they need it to read buttons or um to or to get if they're going to write bluetooth code or something i mean i'm not talking about the people who are start the first week that they're programming but the people who buy our stuff and then want to do interesting projects with it that involve asynchronous events guys yeah Mike, uh yeah i know you mentioned that uh, you were trying to figure out how to create a universal queue uh message queue uh system Mm -hmm. Why couldn't you implement it the same way you did the bus mod, uh, the bus module? You know, to, you know, you you would create a create a a queue a queue object, right, and pass it to whatever module, whatever other modules you want to right. want to use it in. I think the answer is we could we do we could do that if that's the way we want to go. We yeah. can't. The only problem is that putting things on the queue involves may involve allocating storage and right now the storage allocator is not re-entering ouch okay so that's that's really the problem yeah unfortunately i wrote all this up and i'm kind of like saying it out loud in in yeah. uh, wrong the wrong order or something but i i, I have a write-up of this which i will put in an issue but i just yeah, thought i kind of get the original uh impression from people yeah. That's that's Dan. That's kind of why I was trying to back up, and you know, you've it's it's hard to tersely describe 
what you're even suggesting. Your simple little write-up is, you know, kind of a long email. So back yeah. up a bit and like, why are we even going down this path? Uh, because I need it. And you're a developer, though. But but why do you you need it for like the micro blue pie stuff, right? Like. Yeah, I, I need it. I need to provide that functionality for the LEIO. What, but what, um, if I remember right, it's just for connected, right? Like, you can easily pull to see if you're connected or not. Like, I think there are three cases. Okay. Uh, it's called a delegate in BluePie. It's not in, I'm not even sure it's in MicroPie, but... Uh, mm. Yeah, there are notifications. There's something. There's something. I can't remember. But it, it was just that's just an example. It, it's also the case that we have had people say like, "I'd like to notice." I mean, they can always pull a pin. It's true, but they can't pull a pin if they're looking for a pulse, unless you use pulse. And maybe you could use pulse in. But if there's, if there's, if they're just looking for a glitch on a pin, like a quick up and down. Uh, we don't have a way of doing that right now. I mean, because right. if they just pull the state of the pin, they might miss. Right. Okay. Right. Right. So I so, mean, so that's what game, Gamepad I think has tried to do a little bit of that as well. Right. Gamepad. Right. Gamepad notices if the button went up, even if it went down before you got around looking at it. Yeah. So it's basically an interrupt. Right. So. That's an example of um, uh, of a case where, so yeah, so we'll have some C code that puts puts these asynchronous events that might get lost otherwise onto uh, a queue, or the example of the this the Ethernet packets. Uh, mm -hmm. We, if we just put the packets on a queue and the queue's not too long, then uh, instead of saying like, oh, did a packet just come in? Let me read it. Like, and maybe there's a special buffering system inside the Ethernet implementation. Mm -hmm. Well, I can just put the packet on the queue. So uh, there, each, any particular application, you can think of, yes, the, the, the built-in module could provide a buffering mechanism, right? Like GamePad or Ethernet could have packets, or right. uh, I don't what's what's another or the Blue Blue Pie stuff could have could buffer that stuff and you could pull it. Right. But why if if we can do it in a general way, uh, maybe that would be easier. So that that's kind of yeah. I mean, I, I was just saying like this is all these things provide some kind of message mechanism in turn they use some kind of message queue internally okay right so and like you said that's what tiny usb does too you know but at a really low level so right yeah i mean i like that approach yeah um so, but yeah I, I would say for now like just use it where you think it's appropriate right right and and but maybe i'll even see if i can provide interrupts on GPIO pins easily, for instance, using this mechanism. So, and then that we, then when somebody says, "But you don't have interrupts," I say, "Well, here we do use this." You but know, I, I, like I don't think they'll be happy with that. But yeah, 
Yeah, that's, that's kind of my fear too, Scott, is the, the requests coming from user land or from advanced C users who want the real thing. That's totally true, but at the same time, like, I think for people who are, like, coming from, say, a web programming background or something, message queues are actually going to be your kind of homey concept. So, you know, there's a side to it where, like, people who are fairly um, experienced programmers but not with local stuff will find it, I think, pretty useful. Yeah. So... I, I was just, I just, I brought this up now just to get some initial feedback and I'm happy to, I'll take the email that I wrote and turn it into an issue. Okay. I just thought if I posted it as an issue there, it wouldn't have context. Right. Um, and I, I wrote it up on Sunday morning because <laughs> I, I couldn't sleep at four in the morning and I was thinking. Well, that, that's kind of an interesting question. Is there not already some kind of issue that's been put up in the CP repo about, I want, I want interrupts? Along those lines, yeah, so I was, I'll cross-reference. I'm surprised there isn't one already. I think there is. Yeah. There's at least an yeah. async one that's assigned to Wolf. But uh, that's specifically about implementing async I.O. Right. Yeah. But I think and, I think the thing I would push you on this is, like, make sure it's grounded in, like, the use cases. Like, message queues are great, generally, is something we all can agree on. But where it actually impacts CircuitPython is interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so specific BLE cases, specific like proposals for like interrupt pin interrupts and that sort of thing would be really helpful to drive the discussion. Okay. So I'll try to, I'll revise what I wrote initially for, to be a little more concrete. I mean, I mean it is concrete. It's just the examples. Are and as, a, as, a, as an overall generalization, is it fair to say, um, that polling works great to a point uh, to where the speed of the thing that you're polling is too fast for you to catch, at which point you want an interrupt. Yes, and if it's there's something that is really fast, uh, then we've tended to just we've we've written C code that handles those interrupts in Python. You never see them in Python, right. so you know audio in or something like that. And then uh, the, the next level beyond that is where it gets too fast for a software-based interrupt to handle. Then you want a hardware interrupt. No, but I mean we we, we do it at we do it with interrupts. It's just that we provide an abstraction that hides all that, right. so that it, it fills up a buffer with the data that you want. Or but for like someone that's it. trying to understand it, this it's like this is why you it's okay to use polling up to this point, and then this is why polling doesn't work after this point it's because of the the timing that's involved and that that kind of lets them see why um it would be okay to try doing it one way to a point but then at past that point it's you're banging your head against the wall yeah right. so i i i but i wanted to solve certain use cases because the cases i've seen for instance where people want interrupts they could be solved with polling right Right, and it might be clearer for them to see if you give them the the overall generalization rather than just giving them the the, the specific use case. Right, if they don't right, right, understand right, right. what the use case is. They're not going to get the right. I'm saying you know they say they want an interrupt handler. What they really want is notification of asynchronous something or other. So I'm saying this is the way to do that. Yeah, this is a way to do. That. Yeah, 
And then the other piece I would put into the stew of thinking about all this is thinking about um, how it relates to putting the microcontroller to sleep. Uh, Because we don't have a great way of saying, wait until a pin changes and then wake up again. Um, And polling is particularly bad at that because it is the model that it's running perpetually. So if if that is something we can get from this, and it's easy to understand, uh, that's good too. That would be, that would be, yeah, that would be right. So there could be a, like, right, the wake up cue or something like that or whatever, or it's, it's a, it's an event. in the- Or you just like, you have a, you have a function on your queue that says sleep until blah, or wait until there's a new one where you're explicitly saying, like, I don't need to do anything else. Like, let me just wait until an event comes in. And then we can, in the background, actually go to sleep. And then uh, I see what you're saying. And right. we, yeah. we can manage all of the external interrupt and sleep mode stuff internally. Um, but the model from the, the user's perspective is just like, ah, my code's not doing anything until I wait, until I hear an event on this queue or something. Yeah. yeah. And then that's an opportunity for us to actually sleep. If assuming that the event underneath the hood is driven by something that can wake up this MCU, but that's yeah. something we could manage under the hood, which would be nice. All right, I'll write that down too. Yeah, just another okay. thing to consider. Right, <laughs> and that, that's one thing I've been thinking about in terms of how the async IO stuff works as well. I think it is eventually just it's up to the event queue to manage. Right, right. It's just a question of like how you get things on that event queue, which is what async IO does with the wait or whatever, or async calls. Yeah. Anyway, lots of, lots of good food for thought. Um, definitely yeah, not something right. imminent. I don't think. No, this is, a, this will have the long-term. Test. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. We're an hour and a half in, which is pretty wild, but um, I think TG Techie just added uh, briefly when a module is delved or deleted is the imported Py text file removed from RAM. Um, so the text file never really makes it to RAM, but I think what you mean is like all of the data structures for the module itself. And it's complicated uh, because it depends on all of the references. I think in theory, if you delete the module, it should delete it from sys.modules. Oh, I should put a time code. Um, which should then be able to be garbage collected, but um, that that doesn't mean there that there might not be another place that is referring to the module um, that's keeping it around. So uh, it's tricky. Um, I don't think we handle it well. I don't. I don't think it works that way. Um, and then I think Dakota as well. You said. You wanted to talk about scheduling the the review learn stream thing? Uh, possibly, if it was an opportune moment and it may not be being that we've already spent an hour and a half here. Um, I mean, when do you, when works for you? I got nothing but time. Um, okay, well, today I don't have a lot of time. Um, but yeah, let's. Um, what What do you think the best forum for this is? Oh, I didn't know if maybe a, an after the weeds, you know, five or ten minute, let's try something and see how it works out approach would work because mm-hmm. we'd already have a bunch of people here, right? Um, and you know, and maybe five minutes is enough. 
just to to try something. I'm, like I say, I'm, I'm I'm really clueless as to how this process works at this point. For the reviews. Yeah. Um. Let's. How about we file an issue, and that's where we can collect everybody who's interested in it and figure out a time that works. Um. I would do it today, but I'm already kind of crunched on time. So, um, would you mind filing an issue, Dakota? And I think we have. Um, I I would if I knew what that was. But why don't you okay. give me until next Monday to figure out what that is, and maybe we'll do an after the weeds how to file an issue. <laughs> um, actually, that I, one's easy enough. I'll I can hang out after the weeds, and we can go through that. Okay. It's I, just a matter of filing an issue to get the ball rolling. And but what repo were you talking about, Scott? Just on the CircuitPython one. Okay, yeah, no problem. I think there is actually, yeah, there's an event label you can put it on. Um, that's just like the central place to get people coordinated. So that's fine. Um, all right. Well, Carter will do that. Um, and I'll take a time code, wrap up, and then uh, drop out. So let's do that. Um, so thank you everybody for coming to the Adafruit Circuit, the Circuit Python Weekly for November twelfth, twenty eighteen. Um, this happens every week at or nearly every week at Mondays at eleven a.m. Pacific, two p.m. Eastern, on the Adafruit Discord. You can join the Discord by going to the URL adafru.it/discord. Um, drop in the circuit python text chat and say hi um, and then we will be in the voice chat for the uh meeting itself uh you just drop in there and we go around the around the room so to speak um this uh they are recorded by uh the person running the meeting and posted onto the adafruit youtube channel and also diode zone uh you can get links to that dropped in you'll see links dropped in the CircuitPython text channel after the fact of that. And we also have a GitHub a repository of all the meetings, uh, meeting notes, so you can check that out as well. We do have notes, so you can skip around in the, in the audio slash video if you don't want to listen to all hour and a half of it in this case. And um, there was one other thing I was going to say, and I couldn't remember. Um, I think that's it. <laughs> so we'll wrap up uh thank you and we should be able to talk with everybody uh this time or so next week thanks everybody thanks everyone thanks everyone have a good week have a good have a good one <laughs>